Well, speaking of the decks, uh, last Sunday was the Super Bowl, and I know if you're a Colts fan, you know, like me, you may have been cheering for Peyton. Peyton's team got crushed, and they lost. But the decks were happy, because if you don't know, Megan is originally from Seattle. So if you're a Seahawks fan, make sure you celebrate with Megan uh, this week. Oh, okay. But anyway, my kids were a little disappointed that Peyton lost, but we were also a little disappointed in some of the uh, commercials. We just didn't think that they were that funny. I don't know about you. We didn't think they were that great. But it reminded me, as I was doing a little research this past week, about a commercial from 2010, four years ago during the Super Bowl, and it was sponsored by the auto company Audi, and it takes a poke at the imaginary green police who got out of control. So in the commercial, there's a person standing at the checkout counter of a store, and the clerk tells the customer, okay, so it's 3708, paper or plastic? And the customer says, plastic. Well, then an officer walks in and says, that's the magic word, green police. You picked the wrong day to mess with the ecosystem, plastic boy. The officer then hauls the customer away in handcuffs. The next scene, a green policeman stands on the brightly lit porch of a comfortable-looking suburban home. And when the homeowner walks onto the porch, the officer says, did you install these light bulbs? And when the homeowner says yes, he is hauled away to a waiting police car where the TV reporter speaks into the camera and says to us, tragedy strikes tonight where a man has just been arrested for possession of an incandescent light bulb. Well, in the ad, the problem is not so much trying to help the ecosystem, to help the environment. That's a good thing. And yet, when people are overzealous, when we go overboard, when we create rules or guidelines that go overboard, then it can become a bad thing. And so it is with us. If we as Christians... Uh, put rules on ourselves, or if we follow our own rules, and that's all we do, if we just become rule followers, then we won't ever get to God. We can't follow enough rules. We can't obey enough. We can't do enough good things to get to God because it is through God's grace. And so in our scripture today in Colossians, as we're continuing to look into uh, the book of Colossians, we're going to read about that. Um, God's grace as opposed to the rules that we might follow. So, let me pray, and then we'll dive into today's scripture. Almighty God, we just give you thanks again for this opportunity to be here together, and we pray right now, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds to learn more about you, God, and to apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, from Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23, completing the uh, second chapter of Colossians. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. 
Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today there's a short outline in your bulletin. It's on the inside cover of your bulletin if you'd like to. A few of those will be up here on the screens as well. And it's, as I talked about a minute ago, it's, it's more than following rules. So the first two points there are, we can't reach God by practicing religion. That's in Colossians 2, 16. And we can't reach God by following rules in verses 20 and 21. So the early Jewish Christians that Paul is speaking to still followed a lot of the Jewish customs and laws, like religious festivals and keeping the Sabbath. Now, those were good things to keep, but Paul says, don't let anyone judge you there in your community where you are on keeping those rules. Um, that's not what we are to be judged by, but instead, we are to look at our hearts. It says that God looks at our hearts, not at our outward appearance, not if we follow rules. God looks at our hearts. Scholar Ben Witherington says this about this specific passage in Colossians. He says, Paul's message to the Colossians is basically stick to what you were originally taught about Jesus and don't give in to a legalist philosophy. Paul says your life is hidden with Christ. That's there in Colossians 2. Your life is hidden with Christ. When you are with Jesus, you are with him. So, therefore, don't let anyone judge you based on religious rules. Don't let anyone judge you based on man-made rules. That's there in this passage too. And don't let anyone put you down by making a list of things that you have to do or accomplish. Instead, Paul says, check out where the rules come from. Are these things from God? Are these things from humans that we have put upon ourselves? In fact, he calls them self-imposed rules. One of the things the Colossians were tempted to do was to follow strict dietary laws, um, some of which sounded like this. He says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. But Paul says in verse 17 that religious rules were a shadow of things to come. He says the rules are a shadow of the reality, and the reality is Jesus, who we know now. I just heard this at a seminar I went to yesterday and actually Friday night with a couple of men from our church. It's based on a man in the mirror seminar about men's ministry, and they talked about this. They said that rules are behavior modification, but Jesus is about heart transformation. Rules are about behavior modification, but Jesus is about heart transformation. And I think that's what it is um, with us. You know, we are called in the New Testament, and Paul does it here as well, we are called to follow Jesus, not to just follow a bunch of rules. But we're also to follow Jesus' teachings. And so it can get a little tricky at some time. We need to follow what Jesus teaches us, but it's out of a motivation of our heart because we're what we realize what he has first done for us. But we have to be careful not to follow rules that human beings make. It says self-imposed rules or man-made rules, human teachings that Paul talks about. We have to be careful 
not to follow those things. In fact, in verse verse 18, Paul says that some of the people there, some of the Colossian Christians, were being told to worship angels. And he said, be careful about this. We are not to worship angels. And so we might think today, well, that's not something uh, we have to worry about, you know, worshiping angels. Nobody's proposing that. And yet, in doing a little research last week, um, I read about um, this author, Joseph Locante, who talked about a book called Angels 101. It was written by a lady named Doreen Virtue, a great name, Doreen Virtue, who's a metaphysician. Here's what she talks about in Angels 101. She says, we are informed that in contrast to the ideas of sin and guilt, and, and sin and guilt, angels love every person unconditionally. She says they help everyone who calls on them regardless of their faith or lack of it. Angels help everybody. Here's a quote from Doreen Virtue. She says, angels look past the surface. They see the godliness within all of us. So angels aren't judgmental. They only bring love into our lives. You're safe with angels, and you can totally trust them. In fact, in part of the book, she says they go on to assist people in their travel plans. This is there in her book, Angels 101. She says, angels can help you to get an extremely nice, warm, friendly, and competent customer service rep when calling to book reservations with the airlines. They can help you avoid lines at check-in and work with uh, competent personnel when you check in. They can help you through airport security without being searched. Angels can do that. And they can protect and deliver your baggage so that your suitcases are the first ones on the luggage carousel when you're there to collect it. So we might say, you know, well, as Christians, we know that stuff. That sounds crazy. You know, I mean, God talks about angels. They're there to bring messages of good news like they did to, to Joseph and Mary, but before Christ's birth, God uses angels, but this stuff sounds crazy. Nobody really follows that in today's world. You know, everybody knows that the Bible's true. We don't need to follow stuff like that. And yet, Doreen Virtue has made appearances on CNN, Oprah, and The View, and she clearly has a large audience for her message. She goes on to say, I've discovered that the quickest and most efficient route to happiness is through connecting with angels. So whether you need help with your health, career, love life, family, or any other area, angels can help you. But Paul reminds us again to be careful. In these kind of situations, we don't need to follow man-made rules. We don't need to follow with what the world teaches. We need to look at what Christ is teaching. What is God teaching us? And that's why we're here on a Sunday morning when we look into the book of Colossians, what Paul's teaching us about how do we follow Jesus And it's not about following his rules. It's about following him in our hearts. So we might say, though, um, okay, well, then, you know, I'm off off the hook from following rules. You know, Scott said this morning we don't have to follow rules. It's really about following Jesus. So maybe we can set aside some of those things in, in the Bible that sound a lot like rules. Maybe we can just put those aside because it's it's about a relationship, right? Well, not so fast. Actually, Jesus sets the bar higher than a lot of the rules that we, are, that we would think we are to follow. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, Jesus affirms that it's a good rule to bring a gift to God at the altar. He says, give back to God what he has first given to us. That's something we did a few minutes ago through our offering. But Jesus goes farther. He says this, if your brother has something against you, Leave your gift at the altar and go make it right with that person first. And so when you think about it, 
it's not so much about the rule of bringing an offering to God. He says, first, make sure your heart's in the right place. First, make sure if something's wrong in a relationship that you have with someone else and you know it in your heart, go back and make it right with that other person before you come to me. Then it's better to come to me. First, take care of your heart. Go make it right with that person uh, that you have that problem with. Jesus tells the story, uh, the short story in the Gospels of two people praying, and he compares how they pray. And he says, one is a religious leader who stands and he lifts his hands and he, he loudly proclaims um, his prayers to God. But Jesus says he does this so that he will draw attention, that he's following the rules, that he's praying, that he's a religious re- leader. He does it out of pride. But Jesus says there's another man nearby who bows his head and who humbly says, Forgive me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And Jesus says, that's the kind of prayer that we need. That's the kind of prayer that I want. I'm not just telling you to pray to follow a rule. I want it to come from your heart. So when we pray, our prayers come from our hearts. You know, they're not the rules. They're not things we have to do to keep, to do what God says. It comes from that relationship. When we know what Jesus has done for us, we pray from our hearts. So as Presbyterians, as members or as part of this church family, we are Christians. And as Christians, we follow Christ. And we see that Christ is revealed through, uh, uh, to us through the truth of God's word in the Bible. And so as a different kind of community of followers, we follow Jesus with our hearts. It's not a religion. It's not following rules. And in our hearts, we realize that it's about grace. And Paul is one of the best to talk about this. When we read the letters from Paul, he talks about that it's his grace that moves our hearts. And when we receive his grace in our heart, when we respond to him, then our actions follow our hearts. In fact, Paul says in verse 17, even the rules of religion, and when he's talking about this, he says the rules of the Old Testament, which was what they had at that time, are but a shadow of the reality. The rules are a shadow of the reality. The reality we now know is a relationship with Jesus. So, when we have that relationship with Jesus, we are to have a heart for Christ alone. We have a heart for Christ alone. And when we have our heart for Christ alone, instead of following rules, then the things that we think about in our head, the things we do with our hands, the things we practice or our habits, follow Jesus as he leads us. So for me and for you, it must be a new heart. It must be a new life with Christ, which we base our lives on, which we base our actions on. Our responses must be God working in us and through us with his grace because he first pursued us, so we respond back to him. But what about our heart and our head and our hands and our habits. I borrowed this from a book called Lead Like Jesus by Ken Blanchard and Phil Hodges. In this book, Lead Like Jesus, they challenge us um, to live like Jesus. And not only to live like Jesus, but the way that we act, we can be servant leaders who uh, live like Jesus and lead like Jesus. Instead of, it says, being self-serving leaders, we are servant leaders that look to Jesus first in the things we do. So we have our heart and the head and our hands and our habits. What about the heart? 
Are you led by our heart for Christ alone? Do you live by the greatest commandment? When we think about what's the greatest commandment, it is of the heart. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all your heart. Then your mind and your soul and your strength. And the other commandment is like it as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. What about our heads? We need minds that are transformed by the word. So we do need to study God's word. We need to understand what Jesus' commands are. You know, he gives us the Great Commission, he says, teach other people to follow my commands. So we need to understand what his commands, what his teachings are. So that's in our head as we study. But as we study, we see that Jesus is the truth. He says in John, he comes to testify to the truth and that he is the truth. So we can discern when someone writes a book about worshiping angels, we can discern what is truth because we understand with our head, we've studied what God has said. And then our hands, we serve God with our hands. The things that we do, our actions, the things that we go out when we work on a Habitat project, when we fill totes for Shepherd Community Center, when we take a meal to someone else. And I know men, yesterday what I learned in this Man in the Mirror conference, men maybe aren't as good at feeling sometimes, but men like to work with their hands. Our hands, the way, one of the ways we can serve God is by doing actions with our hands but they come out of the sense of a heart for Christ alone. What about our habits? Our habits should follow Christ as well. When we have a heart for him, we set our minds on things above. This is what Paul says in chapter 3 in Colossians. We set our minds on things above, not on on earthly things. And then our practices, the way that we pray in humility, the way we treat others, the way we serve, our habits follow Christ well, for me, I think, you know, sometimes when, when preachers or pastors get up to talk, they preach to themselves. And so I would say part of this message today speaks to me as well, because basically, if, if there are two kinds of people in the world, if there are rule breakers and rule followers, I am very definitely a rule follower. I am in that camp very much. And I like my to-do list. I like things very orderly. And, uh, and I can, if I'm not careful... I can be a person who puts on those self-imposed rules that Paul talks about. Here's an example for me. I like to read. I enjoy reading the Bible. And so several times, let's say over the last 15 years or so, I've set a goal, kind of one of those self-imposed rules, that I will read the Bible in a year. But I've noticed something. If I'm not careful, that can become an obsession. And I'll make sure I've got my list that I'm checking off, that I read my five chapters a day, which is about what it takes to get through the Bible in a year, that I've got that and I've checked it off. And if you ask me later in the day what I read, I wouldn't know. But I can tell you, I checked my box. You know, I followed the rules and I'm getting it done. And at the end of the year, I'll be very prideful that I read the Bible in a year. But what if we come at the Bible with our hearts first? You know, what if we come at the Bible with a heart for Christ alone? So when we read it, We're reading it with the right mindset. We're reading it with the right attitude. So we're reading the Gospels about Jesus to find out what Jesus was like. You know, what kind of character did he have? What was it like to walk in Jesus' shoes? What was it like to be one of the early disciples? What would it have been like to go on some of Paul's journeys? What would it have been like for Mary Magdalene to be a person who had a reputation that followed Jesus? You know, to read those stories and then to read what Jesus taught us with a heart for Christ alone? What would it be like to read the Old Testament, to read the great stories of faith, and to think about those? You know, what would it have been like for me to be in those stories? 
What can I glean from those truths about my life so that I can be more like Christ? How can I learn from those things? Uh, Instead of checking it off my list that I'm reading the Bible in a year and doing it just for my head and just to follow the rules, how can I let it affect my heart so I become more like Jesus in following him? That's how I want to read the Bible and not follow the rules. So, instead of reaching God through rules, God reaches down to us and he asks for a response uh, from us through our hearts. We can't reach up to God by following religion or rules. And it's not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. It's not about, as Paul says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It's about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. That's a heart thing that we have. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And it's not about rules. It's about grace. And that grace comes from God through Jesus Christ when we give our hearts to him. We're going to sing about that grace through the classic song, through the classic hymn, Amazing Grace. And as Steve plays this and as we sing it together, I'd like you to think about the words and let those words kind of fill your heart and inspire you to give your heart again this morning to Jesus. Let's stand and sing Amazing Grace.